Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. Streaming live on iHeartRadio and available on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. You can follow me on Twitter at Right Now Jim Dawes. And you can shoot me an email at rightnowjimdaws at gmail.com. I've got a voicemail where you can leave your questions or comments at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. I'm starting to feel a little bad for old uh, Bernie Sanders and, and Joe Biden. Because uh, on yesterday's show, I had a brain freeze and could not remember for the life of me the name of the schedule where you used to do your tax deductions. This is uh, the second year in a row that I have not had to fill out uh, this Schedule A because the tax reform bill raised the personal deduction, uh, standard deduction, to $24,000 for a, a married couple. And, uh, and I, I just couldn't remember it. So... Uh, Old Jim Blix, Jim Blizzard, uh, sent me an email reminding me that it is the Schedule A where you used to have to do all your deductions. And poor old Jim is still having to fill it out because uh, of the high state and local taxes in his home state of Illinois uh, exceeds by about $800 the, uh, the new limits on deductibility for state and local taxes. Uh, uh, so at least, Jim, you don't live in New York or California. Otherwise, you had had to pay taxes on a lot uh, more than $800 um, of, that, uh, of that local and uh, state and sales, uh, local sales tax. But um, I guess the bad news is you're still having to fill out that damn Schedule A. Uh, Blix also uh, reminded me that it was the 16th Amendment, not the 15th Amendment, that established the income tax uh, back at the turn of the century, the 20th century, uh, and that the 15th Amendment was uh, all about uh, you know making sure that uh, the freed slaves had the right to vote. So uh, thanks for setting me straight, Blix. It's not the first time he has had to uh, do that duty, and I appreciate it. Well, uh, the, the big news of the day, of course, is oh, Adam Schiff has, as I predicted, been caught lying uh, about knowing about this whistleblower complaint before he, uh, before it became public knowledge. So it turns out that he had it several days in advance. Uh, he knew had, had his staff had met with this whistleblower and referred him to a law firm. 
And, uh, and Adam Schiff did not inform his fellow uh, committee members, either Democrat or Republican. Well, I don't know that's the case. He, he may have re- informed the Democrats. If he did, they're not saying. But he most certainly uh, did not make the Republicans aware of this. And all this reminds me of back, uh, you know, in the beginning of the Russia Gate hoax, when Devin Nunes, who was the former Intelligence Committee chair, had to uh, step down while he underwent these uh, ethics complaints because he had gone to the White House uh, and learned about the, uh, the, the phone taps that had been conducted against his campaign. Why aren't the Republicans in the House of Representatives filing ethics complaints against Adam Schiff? Why aren't they dragging him through the mud? Now, I think uh, uh, Biggs, I think his name's Andy Biggs, has filed a complaint against him and uh, that he stepped down from the committee for lying. Um, but this is this is more than just lying. Biggs was uh, uh, filing a complaint against him for lying about that uh, that opening statement where he mischaracterized Trump's call with the Ukrainian president. But this is more than lying here. This is actually uh, misleading and um, deceiving the uh, the fellow members of the committee because he had claimed uh, up until just recently that uh, the whistleblower did not contact him in advance. They realized that they couldn't keep the lid on that lie, so they ran themselves to the Washington uh, to the New York Times to get the the most favorable coverage out of it that they could. Here he is. Uh, he was appearing, I think, on MSNBC's show with uh, um, was it Sam uh, Sam Shapiro um, when he uh, when he claimed that uh, he did not have advance notice. First off, have you heard from the whistleblower? We have not spoken directly with the whistleblower. Uh, we would like to. We have not spoken with the whistleblower we would like to. Sam Stein was the guy's name. So, um, you know, I, I said several days ago, and it wasn't a big revelation on my part, although I did expect it. Uh, uh, Sean Davis over at The Federalist said that according to the timeline that uh, Schiff must have known about it in advance. So they knew they were going to get busted. And, uh, and I have no doubt, and neither does the president, that, uh, that Schiff or his staff assisted this whistleblower in drafting this complaint. I have zero doubt that they referred him specifically to this resistance law firm in Washington, D.C. that has been advertising for whistleblowers uh, since Trump took office and helped him draft this uh, this uh, bogus whistleblower document that was clearly put together uh, strategically in order to try to entrap Trump. John Roberts uh, was attending uh, a, uh, a briefing at the White House and asked Donald Trump about this. There is a report that came out just before you and President Ninishta walked out here that the whistleblower met with a staff member of Adam Schiff prior oh, I love to that question. being filed. It shows that Schiff is a fraud. And I, I love that question. Thank you, John. So can I finish asking? Yes, there's nothing to finish. Uh, so, 
So the whistleblower, according to this report, met with a member of, sta- of uh, Adam Schiff's staff. You got it right there. You know it. I hate to say it's the New York Times. I can't believe they wrote it. Your, your response to the Maybe fact they're getting that, better. Your response to the fact that that happened and that Schiff may have learned some of what the whistleblower knew prior to the complaint. Well, I think it's a scandal that he knew before. I go a step further. I think he probably helped write it. Okay? That's what the word is. And I think it's, uh, I give a lot of respect for the New York Times for putting it out. Just happened as I'm walking up here, they handed it to me. And I said to Mike, I said, whoa, that's something. That's big stuff. That's a big story. He knew long before, and he helped write it, too. It's a scam. Well, of course. uh, It's a scam. It definitely is a scam. The media sprang to Adam Schiff's defense, so uh, Ken Delanian over there at MSNBC, so there's no evidence of that. Allie, because it wasn't true, and Adam Schiff has acknowledged to Sam Stein, the questioner there, that that was a regrettable <coughs> lapse on his part because, in fact, his office, an aide to Schiff, did speak to the whistleblower, but it's also important to point out the sequence here, Hallie, and in fact, there is no evidence that Adam Schiff orchestrated this complaint. Oh, it was just a lapse, and there's no evidence that Adam Schiff orchestrated this complaint just because he spent two years lying claiming that he had secret evidence that he wasn't allowed to divulge that Trump, in fact, had colluded with the Russians, turned out to be an absolute lie. Adam Schiff has absolutely exposed himself as uh, being dishonest, willing to deceive, abuse his position as chairman of the Intelligence Committee. But uh, old Ken Delanian still wants to get uh, get the benefit of the doubt. Oh, he, he it was just a, a lapse when he claimed to Sam Stein that they uh, they hadn't had no contact with the whistleblower. Sure. See if you could get that sort of um, uh, benefit of the doubt as a Trump supporter from anybody in the mainstream media. No evidence, he says. Well, maybe you could look for some. Maybe you could ask uh, Schiff some probing questions instead of just asking him how the heck is he going to get uh, Donald Trump impeached. Oh, Adam Schiff has definitely shown himself to be a dishonest actor. It was just, uh, and in this case as well, it was, um, what, three days ago now when he was making up this uh, characterization of the uh, Trump conversation with the, uh, the Ukrainian president just a few days ago. So, you know, Schiff lying about this, just indicates a consciousness of guilt. And he is absolutely not deserving of any sort of benefit of the doubt when he uh, when he goes on national TV on a major audience and reads something like this into the congressional record. Is the essence of what the president communicates. We've been very good to your country, very good. No other country has done as much as we have. But you know what? I don't see much reciprocity here. I hear what you want. I have a favor I want from you, though. And I'm going to say this only seven times, so you better listen good. Lie. I want you to make up dirt on my political opponent. Understand lots of it. Never said it. On this and on that, I'm going to put you in touch with people, not just any people. I'm going to put you in touch with Attorney General of the United States, my Attorney General, Bill Barr. Perfectly appropriate. He's got the whole weight of the American law enforcement behind him. And I'm going to put you in touch with Rudy. You're going to love him. Trust me. Trying to clear my name. You know what I'm asking, and so I'm only going to say this a few more times. Lie. In a few more ways. 
lie. And by the way, don't call me again. I'll call you when you've done what I asked. This is in some in character what the president was trying to communicate. It was not in some in character. None of that actually took place in the call. It is all made up out of whole cloth. Except for, uh, you know, saying that he was going to uh, get the attorney general and his personal attorney in touch with him, which are perfectly appropriate. The attorney general is investigating this. He said he was going to investigate it. He's doing that. And, uh, and Rudy Giuliani is over there trying to clear up Trump's name because they continue to smear the president. Nancy Pelosi actually went on uh, one of the morning shows with uh, George Stephanopoulos, the munchkin, and, uh, and defended Adam Schiff's statement. Right for him to have that dramatic interpretation of the president's uh, transfer of the phone call at the hearing last week. I want the American people to know what that phone call was about. I want them to hear it. So, yeah, it's fair. It's sad. But it's, it's using the president's own words. Why? So if he's... If well, those weren't the president's words. It was an interpretation of the president's words. They're saying he made this up. He did not make it up. He did not make it up. It wasn't his words. But he didn't make it up. At least George Stephanopoulos had a little bit of integrity there and called uh, a spade a spade. He th- Those weren't Trump's words whatsoever. And I'll tell you where all of this got started. All of this got started as a Democrat talking point when they sent out this, um, this fax to all of their media mouthpieces claiming that Trump was using uh, some sort of mob language. Here's a montage of what the media did with that talking point. This president in his conversations with the president of Ukraine was speaking like an organized crime boss. Uh, He said this was classic mafia-style talk. uh, Absolutely. You don't need to be explicit to set up a shady deal. I mean, if you've ever watched any mafia anything. I mean, to people who see this kind of stuff in movies, uh, you see mob bosses doing it. Anyone who watches mob movies knows that's not how it happens. Um, This strikes me as a call that's really more appropriate um, to be reading a transcript of from a mob wiretap. This is how a mafia boss talks. We always have people talking about how Donald Trump speaks like a mobster. I don't like these mafia-like tactics to try to intimidate witnesses. We see this from mob bosses. We do not see this from presidents. What those notes reflect is a classic mafia-like shakedown of a foreign leader. He gets the mob talk. Donald Trump sought to run U.S. foreign policy. You get the idea. You know, the president has taken to calling the uh, stop calling the media uh, fake news and call them the corrupt media. And that's what they are. They have been thoroughly and completely corrupted. And if you're going to any of the legacy media outlets to get your news, you're, you need to understand you're just getting propaganda at this point. It has no bearing or relationship to the truth. In order to get any of the real news, you have to go to the new alternative media, which this show is a small part of. But... Um, you know, uh, the Federalist has absolutely broken huge cases on this. Sarah Carter got her own uh, website. Uh, Molly Hemingway is uh, just a tour de force on this stuff. We got to run out to a break. Stick with us, and uh, we'll be right back. Mojo. Millions of people today have no dental insurance. If you're without insurance, do you have a plan to care for your teeth without spending a fortune? Introducing DentalPlans.com. 
How would you like to save 10 to 60% off your next dental visit for as little as $7 a month? We offer trusted dental savings plans from companies like Cigna and Aetna with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Be a part of the 1 million-plus happy smiles served since 1999 that save money when they visit the dentist. You can save on cleanings, dentures, braces, x-rays, fillings, crowns, root canals, and even teeth whitening. Call 800-296-1247 now to start saving immediately. Mention promo code RADIO to receive 15% off any plan and for a limited time, one month free. Call 800-296-1247. That's 800-296-1247. Fees billed annually plus a $20 processing fee. Savings plans are not insurance. Savings will vary by provider, plans, and zip code. with plan detail page for additional plan terms. Not all plans and offers available in all markets. So the alternative media has become the new fourth estate, and the old legacy media has become basically a public relations arm for the Democrat Marxist uh, leftist party. I mean, there's no longer any denying it. They are on this impeachment jihad, and I think uh, it's going to uh, blow back on them. You know, the the Trump campaign is out with a fabulous new ad. Going back and uh, and playing videotapes of all of the Democrats, many of them presidential candidates now, including uh, Joe Biden, back in the 90s when uh, the Republicans were trying to impeach uh, Bill Clinton for perjury. And it, uh, it's just a montage of one Democrat, including uh, Biden and Pelosi and Schumer and Nadler and uh, about a half a dozen others. And I saw, when I got up this morning, I saw that it came over Twitter. And then when I was doing show prep, um, it had all been scrubbed. You can't find it on Google. You can't find it um, on YouTube. You can't find it on Twitter. This is such a devastating ad that they're they're suppressing it. CNN has actually started refusing to run Trump ads because, in their opinion, they're somehow dishonest. So differences of opinion now that uh, that the CNN doesn't agree with, they won't allow those ads on cable, which I guess on cable, they're allowed to get away with that since it's not the public airwaves. Mob boss. That's what Trump is, a mob boss, for for trying to get the Attorney General of the United States in touch with the Ukrainian president to to find out just exactly what the Democrats and uh, the Obama administration were asking them to do back in 2016. You see, uh, they can put a two-year special counsel on Donald Trump investigating everything that he's ever done and all of his associates and family, but the president dare not ask what that was all about. Otherwise, they're going to impeach him. And I'm right there with the president. I want to know who this whistleblower is. I want to know his associations. I want to know what he talked about when he reached out to Adam Schiff's corrupt staff. I want to know if he's made donations to any of the current Democrat candidates. I want to know all that. You're telling me they're going to take down the president of the United States and this guy's going to be anonymous 
The Sixth Amendment of the Constitution allows you to face your accusers. Double check me on that, Blix. But this is a this is something else, and and they're saying if Trump wants to know who this guy is, that that is that's putting his life in danger. That he's call, he's calling for his execution. They're all worked up over that. How uh, Trump should not be, uh, you know, questioning the patriotism of this whistleblower. They came out with a story initially saying, well, he he's under federal protection. They blasted that all over the media. Turns out it was a pure lie. It wasn't true. They never issued any retractions. They never corrected the record. They let everybody think that the whistleblower is in fear for his life, which is one of the classic leftist tactics. They come out, they tell a whole bunch of lies. When you push back on them, they say you're, uh, you're endangering their life and they're getting death threats. None of them had anything to say uh, back when William Weld was appearing on CNN along with uh, Joe Walsh and uh, Mark Sanford, the three stooges that are uh, challenging Trump for the uh, Republican nomination, when old Bill Weld said this. Talk about pressuring a foreign country to interfere with and control a U.S. election. It couldn't be clearer. And that's not just undermining democratic institutions. Uh, That is treason. It's treason pure and simple. And the penalty for treason under the U.S. code is death. That's the only penalty. (laughs) So obviously William Weld has never actually read the Constitution because treason is, I think, the only um, crime that's actually specified in the Constitution, and it is defined in there, and it is giving aid and comfort to the enemy during time of war. It's not saying bad things about your political opponents. William Weld. Any Republican governor, any Republican that could be elected governor of Massachusetts is is by definition a squish i'm thinking of you mitt romney and bill weld william weld nancy uh, let it slip on that uh that appearance with uh with uh, adam schiff where they were trying to defend adam schiff for his uh dissembling when she uh admitted this election of Donald Trump would do irreparable damage to the United States. <laughs> so it's all about the re-election. They were asking her about impeachment, and she responded his re-election would do irreparable damage to the United States. But here's the thing. Donald Trump doesn't sit there and take it. He, he doesn't just stand still and let people tee off on them. You remember during the Mueller investigation, they kept trying to hang him for obstruction of justice because he dared to declare he was innocent. Turned out he was innocent, but he's not standing still again. Uh, he was meeting with the, uh, for a press conference with uh, the Finnish prime minister who looked totally baffled about what was going on. And they, uh, they asked him, uh, why don't you just leave old Joe Biden alone? Look, Biden and his son are stone cold crooked and you know it his son walks out with millions of dollars the kid knows nothing you know it 
You know it, I know it, everybody knows that there was no reason for China and Ukraine and no telling how many other countries that we're going to find out about to be funneling millions of dollars to to Joe Biden's ne'er-to-well son. Joe Biden's starting to freak out about it all just a little bit. Let me make something clear to Mr. Trump and his hatchet men and the special interest funding his attacks against me. I'm not going anywhere. You're not going to destroy me, and you're not going to destroy my family. I don't care how much money you spend, Mr. President, or how dirty the attacks get. Well, Joe, Joe is right on one point. He's not going anywhere. He's sinking in the polls like a rock. Elizabeth Warren is getting all the, uh, the voters that are coming over from um, Bernie Sanders while he recovers from his uh, cardiac event. Old Bernie's pulled all his ads off the air, which is uh, not a good sign. But Biden's right. He's not going anywhere. He's not going to be the nominee. People can see corruption when they, uh, or recognize corruption when they see it. And you can have all the interference being run for you by the media you want. You are not going to be the nominee. And if, even if you were, you would be trounced. We're going to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Dr. Warren Farrell to talk about the crisis among men and boys. Stick with us on Right Now with Jim Dawes. Santa's dropping off way more than you expected this year. Thanks to Xfinity, the whole family can enjoy great coverage and fast, reliable internet speed up to gig, all at a great value. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatals.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 50 Radio Network, a daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. Well, with the consolidation of third-wave feminism and the blurring of traditional gender roles, women are now outpacing men in almost every category, including education, business startups, and life expectancy. Men are dying younger, being incarcerated, and committing suicide at record levels, and yet there's no developed strategy or mass movement to address men's issues. To discuss this, we're joined now by Dr. Warren Farrell, author of The Myth of Male Power in his newest book, the Boy Crisis, Why Our Boys Are Struggling and What We Can Do About It, available now on Amazon.com. Dr. Farrell, thanks for joining us. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. So I see that you're heading up a, a movement to start a commission to create a, a, a White House Council on Boys and Men. Uh, just broadly describe the uh, issue you're trying to address and, uh, and uh, advocate for. You know, for the, um, 14 years ago, I started doing intense research on 
uh, what I came to call the boy crisis and um, looked at, you know, I was struck by the fact that um, in all 56 of the largest developed nations, um, boys were falling behind girls in every academic subject and especially in reading and writing. And reading and writing, as you probably could guess, are the two biggest predictors of success or failure. And so that concerned me. And then I also saw that, as you've seen recently, that you know, the male life expectancy has gone down for the past three years in a row, which is, you know, that's the first time that's happened since the recording of life expectancies. And that's and uh, so that's the life expectancy going down in actual years, not relative to uh, to women? That's correct, in actual years. Women's is not doing that well either. That's it's remaining the same, um, but and that's unusual. And the what I come to understand is that there's you know there's basically two groups in the society. Um, one is the, I first discovered that the you know, that the boy crisis resides where dads do not reside. That's the single biggest predictor of boys doing badly. There are other predictors and other experiences in the culture like no male teachers or, um, you know, um, things like obesity and so on um, are all, you know, problems. Um, but the most of the problems are symptoms um, and do not have that big of an impact. So, for example, if a boy goes from a um, female-only home to a female-only school, he has problems, but if he goes to a male and female home where there's uh, the father's involved and the mother's involved, and they they have what I call checks and balance parenting, where they you know they both have an equal amount of power in the say of what their children um, are, are doing, and then they go from that type of home to a female-only school, it doesn't have much impact on the boy. It's only when he's vulnerable by not having the father involved and has no male role model and then goes to a school where there's no male role model that he becomes very vulnerable to, say, a gang um, you know, a gang leader or a drug dealer, um, so having giving him a sense of belonging and structure, even though it's an authoritarian negative uh, channeling of his testosterone. Has the increase in uh, fatherlessness in the homes uh, correlated uh, with the uh, the increase of these problems among uh, um, young boys? Yes, unequivocally so. Uh, what I started to look at was, you know, a correlation at the beginning, but after seeing and being able to document in the boy crisis that there's more than uh, 70 different ways that boys who have minimal or no father involvement are hurt, um, and most of those ways, the girls, the daughters are hurt as well, but they're not hurt nearly as much as the boys, most likely because at least the daughters have the same gender role model in the mother and also have a lot more permission to share their feelings and and what's going on with them so the mother can tap into it and catch it ahead of time um, and do it preventively, whereas the boys tend to sort of wear sort of a mask of masculinity and hide behind that. And so things build up and they, they act out in ways, uh, you know, or, or else they withdraw into video game addiction or porn addiction or um, drug addiction or alcohol addiction or some other way of escaping uh, the realities of what they're dealing with. Well, I want to address some of those negative influences of online um, video games and pornography. But uh, I would ask you before we go there, um, what do you attribute to the increase and the rise of uh, single-parent uh, women, uh, mother-headed households? Well, we have two things that happened in all 56 of those developed nations that I was mentioning before. Um, there was more ability to survive than there ever had been. 
and whenever there's more ability to survive, there's a there is a loosening of the grip uh, on people. People have more freedom, and one of those freedoms is the freedom to divorce, and the other is the freedom to be able to have children uh, without being married. And so the, but in those two areas, like freedoms have consequences, and in those two areas, there were very severe consequences. So children of divorce that have minimal or no father involvement, that's where the boy crisis resides, as well as children born to single mothers, um, who uh, mothers who were not married when they had the child, um, which is 53% of all women under 30 who have children in the United States today um, have children without being married. And so people could argue from a liberal or conservative perspective, how important is marriage? Well, the importance of marriage is that it tends to keep the family together much more than in a non-married situation. So in a non-married situation, the average, the father involvement in the family lasts only an average of four years. Um, and so then the children often feel abandoned by the father, and the boy doesn't have a su substantial role model um, after those four years, and that's when the troubles, uh, that's when the troubles set in. So even, so, at, even in the out-of-wedlock births, the father stays around long enough for the boy to um, to feel abandoned um, when he um, when the father uh, leaves his life altogether. Yes, there's three categories of uh, yes. And, uh, when they're when they're married and the father's around for a while, the boy often feels both abandoned and he misses the the nine attributes of dad style parenting that are so important for children to have, but especially for boys. So, for example, dads are far more likely to enforce boundaries. Well, let me take it at a deeper level. Um, moms and dads set boundaries pretty much the same way. They'll both say, um, you know, sweetie, as soon as you finish your peas, you can have your ice cream. And the children, of course, uh, test boundaries in pretty much the same way. Uh, they both they, they try to have as few peas as possible before they get their ice cream, uh, obviously. And then, uh, but the difference is in the way moms and dads enforce the boundaries. Um, the boy will, or girl will learn to say to mom something like, you know, I had a hard day in school. You know, Jimmy's still been bullying me. Um, and, you know, and mom will go, okay, I'm not going to get into a big argument over a few peas. Um, so, okay, I'll, you know, you, sweetie, okay, just have a couple more peas here. Then you can have your ice cream. So Jimmy or Jane discovers that, you know, she or he can manipulate a better deal with mom. Dad is far more likely to say, um, okay, you know, you, um, we have a deal here. The deal is that you can't have, um, your ice cream until you finish your peas. You know the deal. I know the deal. And you know, you know that I know the deal. Oh, uh, mommy lets us, uh, well, you can continue whining and cr crying, um, and then there'll be no ice cream tomorrow night either. Well, aren't you so just saying that the fathers are, are um, more strict with discipline, uh, and, and boys tend to need that more than girls? Well, both boys and girls need it, um, but the difference is that, uh, and that, and boys and girls, as a result of that discipline, are far more likely to develop develop postponed gratification. Postponed postponed gratification is the single biggest predictor of success or failure, and so the um, so when a boy or a girl goes into school and they don't have that postponed gratification emanating from discipline, uh, they're both likely to do worse. One of the differences, though, is a girl who doesn't do um, worse in school, um, boys don't refrain from dating her because she has lower grades, whereas um, girls do refrain from dating boys that they perceive as losers, whether it's losers in school or losers in sports. or you know, They don't have some losers talent or in the workforce. 
losers in the workforce exactly. And so the boy and girl who aren't able to complete their tasks, that is that they don't have postponed gratification, they get, they get distracted by a text or whatever, um, and they don't end up be doing well in school. Boys that do, don't do well in school and that are also fidgety, they don't have much recess, or recess, they don't have an alternative path through a vocational education to feel a sense of purpose and accomplishment. Those are the boys that tend to drop out of school or have discipline problems in school, and boys that drop out of school uh, their unemployment rate in high school, if they drop out before they graduate from high school, is more than 20% in their uh, young 20s. And so when a boy's unemployment rate is that high, those boys are far more likely to have their ch testosterone channeled in destructive ways like um, committing crimes and uh, you know, jo joining, uh, you know, selling drugs or joining gangs. Well, you know, when I was uh, dating, uh, almost every um, young woman that I came across wanted to have a family and they wanted a, a, a two-parent household. Isn't it really men's fault um, to a larger degree that uh, that these kids, especially boys, are growing up growing up in fatherless homes? Well, in some indirect ways, it is. That is, boys don't you know boys who who don't succeed. But you know, it's not. It's there. If you don't succeed, you're likely to be not um, boys. Women don't search. Women who are wanting children don't search unemployment lines for boys without purpose uh, to be the future fathers of their children. Um, so the degree to which the boys don't have the discipline and have the purpose, some responsibility has to come on them. But what I did discover for the uh, when I did the research for the boy crisis is that um, those boys didn't have that purpose or the discipline in part because they didn't have an upbringing which required them to, you know, metaphorically uh, finish their peas before they got their ice cream. And so, um, and, and they also did, didn't tend to have the same bonds with their dads. Uh, so for example, uh, father, one of the nine different styles of parenting between dad style parenting and mom style parenting is, is roughhousing. And normally when a boy and, uh, or a girl and the dad uh, roughhouse, the, um, you know, the mom will look at the roughhousing situation and say, oh my God, I just feel like I have one more child to monitor in the dad. And um, yet she'll see that the you know, children are having fun with the dad. So she says, okay, I want to interfere. I don't want to, you know, stop them from having their fun. But she knows in the back of her mind that, you know, sooner or later somebody's going to get hurt. And she's about 99% likely to be right. And um, when, but so she figures that as soon as they, somebody gets hurt, dads will see that and stop the roughhousing. Uh, but instead of doing that, the dads will usually say something like, um, okay, Jimmy, you know, you stuck your elbow in your sister's face. So you, um, in order to win at the roughhousing, um, so if you do that again, there'll be no more roughhousing. And from dad's point of view, um, he's now teaching the child how to be empathetic, how to think of his sister's needs and feelings as well as his needs and feelings. And in fact, the data shows us that roughhousing um, in this type of manner with the, with the children does um, increase children's ability to be empathetic. And it also increase, increases children's ability to distinguish being assertive from being aggressive when, you know, when leverage, let's say, in winning at the roughhousing is uh, working, but when pushing aside too hard um, is um, being aggressive versus being assertive. Well, as strident feminism has uh, opened more and more traditionally male roles to, uh, to women, haven't men sort of lost their status and their, their standing in society and even reached the point of uh, – where they're being stigmatized as uh, somehow uh, less valuable. Oh, abs 
absolutely. And the answer to that is you know, three answers to that. One is yes, two is yes, and three is yes. Um, the, um, the, the bigger picture here is that um, historically speaking, um, boys have always had a two cents to purpose, either being a warrior and every generation had its war and almost every generation the family and society encouraged and called boys heroes if they participated. Go. Almost every generation had its war and um, in each generation both the fathers and mothers and you know social cues told boys that they were heroes if they um, participated in that war and so but participating in that war gave the boys a much greater possibility of being disposable and so boys learned to associate being disposable with being um, a man um, either being disposable in the workplace or being disposable as a sole breadwinner well it's not and, it's but, not all um, you know peaches and light to that role but it is a role uh, that uh, society values, and it uh, it appears now, especially when you look on these recruitment ads on TV, they're showing um, they're highlighting women and women in combat roles. Now, you know, I know that they are in fact putting women in combat roles. I would argue to our great shame, but it's a tiny, tiny number of women that are one capable or and two um, willing to be put in that role. And as a result, um, you know, men's value in that aspect has uh, sort of been erased. Yes, and that that has created what I call in the Boy Crisis book a purpose void, um, that boys don't lo- no longer see themselves as uniquely valuable as soldiers, or and we need fewer soldiers in, in, in today's world than we used to. Um, and, and then secondly, they're no longer defined as a man by being the sole breadwinner, since obviously women are sharing much more of that role than they used to. Well, and, and women so, seem to be uh, better suited for the emerging economy than uh, than traditional men who work with their backs and hands as well. Uh, correct. In two, in two senses, you're right about that. Uh, two major senses. One is the healthcare industry is the most um, growing industry in the United States, and that industry is um, populated, except at the medical doctor level, um, uh, to a great degree by um, by women in almost, almost every um, dimension of that um, industry, especially in the caring aspects of, of those profession, part of the professions. And so we haven't tr- been training men in vocational education to handle those types of roles. And as, as Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell pointed out uh, recently, that we have a, a crisis in young males also because our school system has cut back in many time, in many uh, schools on vocational education, and we haven't been preparing boys to bridge the gap between the the old uh, way of a non-academic boy becoming successful, which is using his muscle. We've gone from muscle to microchip or muscle to mental, and we haven't been bridging the gap of training boys for AI and for other and artificial intelligence and for other uh, ways of sophisticatedly uh, working with welding and every, everything else that boys used to do. So our focus on education being, being uh, translated into preparing yourself for college has been great for males like me who are more academically inclined. It's been terrible uh, for the 30 or 40 percent of males who are not academically inclined and have often been uh, left without the old sense of purpose, without the ability to adapt to the new way the world is, is um, the new trajectory of the world of having to prepare boys to be much more technical. And no one has recognized that 
boys will be academically oriented if they have a goal. That is, for example, if you tell, if you explain to a boy that a welder who knows some physics and chemistry is far more likely to earn three or four times as much money as a basic welder, then he has an incentive to learn enough physics and chemistry to apply to welding. Boys are good when there's a goal that is right in front of them. They need physical activity in their work. When I used to teach in high school, um, I would always have the children in my class um, be physically engaged in playing roles or in doing things, and boys did very well. I didn't even know when I was a student teacher what I was doing and that it was helpful for boys. It was just my natural way of teaching, not to lecture, but to um, have uh, students participate in the process. Dr. Farrell, uh, we need to run out to a break. If you can stick with us through the break, I'd love to talk to you about the rise in automation and the jobs crisis that's going to create, if, if you can hold on. Absolutely. Dr. Warren Farrell, I'm going to get your name right, doctor. Uh, Dr. Warren Farrell is author of The Boy Crisis, Why Our Boys Are Struggling and What We Can Do About It, available now on Amazon.com. Stick with us. We're going to take a break. Attention, those of you looking to go on a fun vacation and see the world on the cheap. Today, the U.S. dollar is worth even more in other countries, so there's never been a better time to travel outside the USA. The dollar is worth over $1.30 in Canadian dollars, and it's the same for Australia. You can fly there today and have fun and maximize your travel dollar. Your U.S. dollar is worth over $3 in Brazilian reals, and it's worth over $18 in Mexican pesos. Plus, in Argentina, it's worth over $27 in Argentine pesos. Just think of the bargains you'll get. And the way you get the cheapest airfare to any destination is by calling Tickets That Cheap. Save up to 75% on your foreign vacation tickets. Don't wait. Call now. 800-932-1596. 800-932-1596. 800-932-1596. That's 800-932-1596. We are talking with Dr. Warren Farrell, author of The Boy Crisis, Why Our Boys Are Struggling and What We Can Do About It, available now on Amazon.com. Doctor, as we went out to break, we were talking about uh, the, the jobs crisis for men in traditional uh, male jobs. Uh, that, that trend is just going to escalate, uh, we're told, uh, as, um, as automation and robotics continue to replace more and more of the jobs that were traditionally, um, you know, filled by men. Uh, do you see this as a looming crisis? This is a major crisis, and I was mentioning that Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell said that basically there are two crises in America's economic future that are the most potent. One is uh, cyber warfare, and the other one is um, the gap, uh, is, is the boy crisis, basically the crisis in, uh, among American males, and this is one of the reasons why the um, I'll be meeting with the White House next week to talk with them about um, creating a, a, a White House Council on Boys and Men or some major effort to get fathers involved so the boys have the discipline to get schools um, to be able to really um, major in a major way ramp up their uh, vocational education programs. Uh, for example, in Japan. Um, Will that be under the about, Department of Commerce or the Department of Education? 
This will be well. The White House Council on Boys and Men will be uh, an overall council that will that will then coordinate um, with the Department of Commerce or HHS or whatever whatever area we're dealing with. Uh, The Department of Labor will will be bringing into the picture with the um, with vocational education as well. Um, as well as the Department of Education. So the, so the, the idea of the White House Council is that there'll be, uh, coordination because often when you get government to a government, you have the left hand not knowing what the right hand is doing. And we want to make sure that we, uh, we minimize that propensity in the part of any government activity. And then we, that we also have, um, you know, professional organizations, um, making themselves aware of the boy crisis and what can be done to prevent it and uh, philanthropy, philanthropy is contributing to the, um, to making sure that uh, children have the adequate uh, facilities at each each school um, for good vocational training. I was mentioning that in Japan, um, about a third of the children are in these vocational education programs, mostly males. And um, but the, among the graduates, which are is almost everybody, uh, 99.6% are employed. Whereas with boys, oftentimes in the United States, the lack of a good vocational training doesn't give them a pathway if they're not academically inclined. So they fall into an experience of purposelessness, depression, not feeling that they're useful, drop out of high school. And then with that 20% unemployment rate in their 20s, uh, when they drop out of high school, and that is, you know, that's the setup for boys feeling um, ashamed of themselves, angry, um, becoming mass shooters, uh, becoming, um, you know, having a searching out for a new sense of purpose, like, um, you know, being in a gang or being in the worst gang of all, like ISIS. Um, but you know, the background of ISIS recruits is dad deprivation. The background of about ninety percent of male prisoners is dad deprivation. The, uh, the uh, technology in particular seems to have uh, had a detrimental effect on society at large and boys and men in particular. Uh, and the time we've got left, I do want you to uh, talk a little bit about uh, the effect that violent video games and online pornography have had on uh, the f- formation of, of young men and uh, the, the harms that has done to society. Yes, it, it, it has its biggest impact by a long, so if a boy has discipline, um, like from the postponed gratification that I was mentioning, the, the online, um, you, the, the online forces, um, do not create a huge problem. They have upsides and they have downsides. They create social contacts and they also abort social contacts. Um, but if the boy does well, not. Well, pornography have, in particular, uh, destroys social contact, uh, contacts. You know, when I was growing up, the, the highest, um, uh, motivation for a young man was to, uh, court a girl and uh, the highest um, you know satisfaction in the world was a live naked young girl now they can go online and and fill their uh, minds with some of the most uh, perverse and and radical uh, you know sexual acts you can imagine and a, a young girl just cannot compete with that Yes. First of all, you're right, and secondly, let me just share why you're right on this issue. With the when your son, if you're if you're listening to this, and your son is engaging in pornography, 
what happens is that, that the, uh, the first time he does, he's excited and he's turned on and he's able to be responsive to the pornographic image that's on, that's on the screen. The second or third or fourth time, he's desensitized to that, that his brain no longer stimulates dopamine, the feel-good drug, from the same act that he's seen before. So he has to escalate the intensity of his involvement. So what you were saying, so he ends up watching things that are more and more risky, more and more out of um, out, out of line with what the average woman that he might meet might want to do. So when he does have his first actual real life experience with a girl, uh, what the girl feels like she's just an, another object in a pornographic sure. experience, mm-hmm. and and she feels objectified because she's being objectified. It is it is and devalued so, uh, girls almost completely to the point now where they they have you know fallen for this hookup culture and all of this it used to be that uh, you know girls had real currency and and that too i would argue uh was a large part of the socialization of young boys yes we, we really um, i think that boys the good news is that boys and that you know that boys don't have to spend an enormous amount of their life trying to um you know, earn a great deal of money to be able to, um, just to be able to have sex with a girl and to ask her out. Uh, the bad news is that it has, um, especially the pornography and, and, the, and the, quick, the quickness of contact doesn't allow a boy and a girl to get to really know each other um, before they have sex. And there is an intimacy that occurs from sex um, and, uh, and a connection that occurs from sex. Romance uh, is almost can, a lost art now. Yes, it, it really, it really is in, in many, many cultures and subcultures in the United States, and it's a, and it's very sad. But porn, but particularly, um, pornography, um, it tends to be a very, very much a challenge. But going back to what I was saying there before, the pornography is not engaged in nearly as much by boys who have that, the discipline that creates and the social skills um, that then create their ability to make real-life connections with girls and women that, uh, that have respect for them as a result of them achieving. Boy, girls are not attracted to losers. They're Doctor, we've got a w- couple of minutes left, oh, and sure. before I let you go, I want to uh, get your opinion on whether you believe that violent video games are contributing to this spate of uh, mass shootings that are mostly committed by young men. They are, but, they are, but the girls and boys are both um, boys and girls are both exposed to violent video games and to um, you know and to violence in the culture and to all the things that are blamed on the mass shootings, guns, div- uh, quote device of president or whatever you use. You use and girls and boys are both exposed to those, but it's boys that are doing the mass shootings, not the girls. Testosterone. And it's not just it's not just boys. It's dad deprived boys. Gotcha, Doctor Warren Farrell. Author of The Boy Crisis, Why Our Boys Are Struggling and What We Can Do About It, available now on Amazon.com. He's also heading up a commission uh, at the White House to try to establish a council on boys and men. You can find him on the web at warrenferrell.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Dr. Dr. Warren Farrell. That's at Dr. Warren Farrell. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for the good work you're doing in this field. I hope you'll come back and join us again on a future show. Thank you. I'd be happy to. You you ask uh, good questions and uh, listen really well. Take care. 
And that'll about do it for us today on Right Now. I hope you'll join us back here again tomorrow for another edition on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details.